Hello and welcome to Greedo Shop First, your favorite podcast for Star Wars fans who hate Star Wars fans. I'm James Taylor. And I'm Marco Sparks. Welcome back, Marco. Checking in on Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus series. By the time you listen to this, episode five might be out, but we'll be talking about episode three through four. We will be yelling into microphones about episodes three and four. Yes. How's it grabbing you? Not has, has your opinion uh, shifted at all? I found episode three to be incredibly frustrating. And it was shocking to me to go on the internet and find that people are just, they're just, they're just getting a rush of serotonin from this episode, this show. And I was like, I wish I was like you. I did find more after episode three of like some discontent filtering in. Mm. Like there were definitely people who were like, oh my God, that's like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. You know, I've waited for my whole life to see this. And mm. more people being like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I if I kind of mentally compartmentalize and and say like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like think of this as like a what if, you know, like what if Obi Wan ran into Princess Leia? There are parts of it that I can enjoy, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot of stuff where I'm just like, what the hell was that? Like the direction is really bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's boring. Like it's like the way stuff is staged just feels hella lazy. Like it just, I mean you know back in the day we'd watch like buffy and it was like it was understood that buffy had like no budget ever and so yeah. they were kind of like oh you guys tried you know like oh look at that you, you're pretending to go to an army base and it's just like a fence and a wall mm. you know and like a <laughs> warehouse you break into and we see none of the rest of the army base it's like well it's buffy you know they don't have the budget to do anything so you know we'll we'll give them a pass on it but like this is star wars it's like you have plenty of money disney like like you really went and shot an aquarium like it's a doctor who episode or something mm. I mean, I will say the best scene is them on the fucking MAGA truck. <laughs> the fucking Freck. Ford F-150 MAGA Graf? truck. Knew we couldn't trust that guy. Yeah. Um, which I found fascinating because people really split between the, uh, uh, what do they call them? Obidala? Oh, people. sure. And and just people who read it as like, yeah, your dad's pretty shitty, kid. I, I wish I was your dad, so you didn't have to deal with this shit. I don't know. I mean, like, I I, I like the young actress, Vivian. I think she Lyra Blair. I was think definitely is. at her best in that scene where like he's you know having like this kind of good moment with young Leia talking about like he tells her about the Force, you know, mm-hmm. like she she asks if he's his uh, her dad which is like pretty touching. And he's like, oh, I wish I could say it was. We learn a little bit about Obi-Wan, which is like shocking to me that we've had four episodes and like almost no, like like we, we have this like basic idea that like Obi-Wan has like PTSD or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but like almost no real introspection or like a dive into like the interior life of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He mentions, he's like, I think I had a brother. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is fascinating and not in a way of like, oh my God, Obi-Wan's brother can't wait to meet him in a spinoff type thing, but just in a like, Hey, like we went through like three prequels and got almost nothing from Obi-Wan and we just got this tiny little kernel. Like it really reminded me of um, an attack of the clones and Obi-Wan says dreams pass in time. And you're like, Oh wait, like Obi-Wan is like revealing a little bit of his inner thought process mm. and thinking like that we just never get. And it was like, maybe we'll get that in an Obi-Wan show when we've gotten this one little kernel and that's kind of it. I, but I instead know. he's, he's in the movies. He's kind of like the, the true believer, like, no, like, our system works and it can stick to it. I kind of read that that line as you could fill in like your own headcanon that like that's what Anakin meant to him. 
he was the brother that he didn't have. I suppose you could read it that way. I, I, mean, I read it as brother. like he did have a real brother too. Oh, yeah. yeah, he had. I'm saying he had a real brother, and he felt that gap of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And Anakin kind of fame came in and filled where his real brother should have been. But yeah, I guess uh, it's like Obi Wan, like you said, he's always he's the the true believer. He's the good one. He's the by the book guy. Yeah, it just feels like like with an actor like Ewan McGregor, we got almost nothing going inside obi-wan's mind in three movies and now he has his own show and we're still very i feel like we're getting almost nothing and it's like it'd be really interesting to know more about like what obi-wan thinks about stuff you know like yeah how how does he feel about the brother he had like does he ever have moments of doubt it just felt like 100 percent. this is the same studio that makes the mandalorian I, I mean, don't mean that. Kindly. I feel like the Mandalorian looks better on average than this show does. This show just looks cheap as fuck. I don't understand it. I I thought that just visually on every level, the return of Darth Vader was weak, tired, and un unspectacular. Yeah, the way it was shot, the lo- like the location, the way it was shot, the choreography, like it was really weird. Like. We're just in this like random ass query and like there's no okay, another thing I want to talk about, like the the music. I had high hopes for the score on this because it's Natalie Holt who did the Loki soundtrack, which I really liked. And I was like, oh, like like she's great, she's an up and comer, like this is gonna be really cool. But the score, it's like to me has been a total flop so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the like the best and worst I could say about it is that I just never notice it. Yeah, I would say I, I have no memory of the score. Like, I, it never occurs to me that, like, something's happening on the score. And, like, it's like, okay, Vader's showing up. Shouldn't we be hearing the Imperial March? Like, I don't know why we're not using all these classic cues. It's it's re- very weird because it was marketed very heavily using the old prequel, like, soundtrack motifs. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, hey, everyone, it's Duel of the Fates. It's Battle of the Heroes. Like, like you know this is central to the marketing and Hey, remember this, it's the prequels. And then we're getting nothing but new soundtrack stuff. It seems like in the show, which is, it's strange. It's like, why wouldn't you lean on that? Like if you need, if you're shooting in a query and you don't have the greatest looking Vader in a suit, like pump up the Imperial March, you can kind of goose that whole scene. It's going to seem way cooler if you've got the good soundtrack playing rather than like just this kind of weird kind of, you know, great value brand Star Wars music. I, I can get over. So the return of John Williams is 15 seconds long. Yeah. The Obi-Wan theme just kind of seems like nothing. I mean, is this like one of the riffs that just like falls out of his, his like crumbs mm-hmm. off his chest when he gets up after a meal? Like I can't get over the size of that thing. Um, yeah. Like it just felt no, no context needed. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have also, um, I don't know. I she's not bad. She's a, she's a fine actor. I've never loved um, Ilaria Sand. Oh right, I, I thought she stuff. was. I thought she was actually probably one of the better yeah. performers, or at least like I feel like her character in episode had three, something to do, but not episode four, right? Well, in episode four, weirdly, so this is what's so strange to me about the show is that Obi Wan is such a reactive character, like which is why I feel like people, some people at least, have been like so disappointed in the show. They're like, it doesn't feel like it's his show, even though he dominates the screen time. He's mostly just reacting. And it's like, 
oh, they got kidnapped. Somebody's begging me to come do this. So I got to go here. And then somebody else is going to send me around for where to get Leia. And then they're sending me here. This is how you escape. And then I land there and somebody else shows up and says, here, I got to smuggle you. It's like he's just kind of getting dragged along through the plot by other characters. Like the the active character, even though she has very little screen time, is Riva, And then um, I think Tala is the Alaria Sand character's name. Like they're the ones who are actually like proactive and like driving the story. Obi-Wan's just kind of there and along for the ride, which is very strange for an Obi-Wan show. All right. So the thing that occurred to me, I know it's stupid because it's stupid, but like George has said that the, the, the six movies are like a tone poem. They're meant to resonate with parts of each other. They rhyme. It's like poetry. Like poetry. So is that not why the show is titled part one, part two, part three, part four, because each part kind of has some kind of rhyming, thing with the episode that correlates to it i mean people have kind of pointed that out i feel like it's it's pretty thin girl honestly i mean but the whole thing is pretty thin yeah uh, I, I just let the vader dialogue was not particularly interesting i know i, I read some people online who were like oh shit this is like the scariest vader's ever been i didn't buy I, that at all I, I was, I the way it was shot it as a, i was not feeling it yeah I, I thought you described it as his glam belt that what he is up with this fucking belt like I'm pretty sure I haven't gone back to look at the a new hope recently, but like, I don't think he had these weird Christmas lights on his belt in uh, that version. Like I, he, it, it, he came off very weird because he's in the dark most of the time. He's got this weird, like Christmas tree light thing going on in his belt. And like, they're using the force effects lightsabers that like, you know, they have the leds in them, mm-hmm. like, like real onset lighting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like they use these in the sequel trilogy and I thought they looked fine. But here they're like too bright or something. They're cosplay. It, it just yeah, it looks fake, and it and especially with Vader, who's like this is a costume that's designed with a lot of like gleaming reflective black surfaces. Like they they both turn their sabers on, and it's like suddenly Vader has these like red and blue highlights, like yeah. kind of neon highlights all over his costume. It just it doesn't look right. Like my eye is just saying, hey, wait, this doesn't look right. Like it's like. It looked fine in the sequel trilogy, but Vader, we're, we're not used to this type of lighting on him or something. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how they didn't look at that and, you know, do like test footage and be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't use the force effects lightsabers or something like just because like it's like, yeah, it's cool to be able to generate that light practically. But so, sometimes your eye is just used to what it's used to. Did we really need to see the limbs jammed into him? No, I don't. Once know. more, is that kind of I don't know taken away from it? I just remember reading some old interview with Erwin Kirshner talking about like how careful he was not to show too much of the man under the mask in The Empire Strikes Back. He thought that was like very important. We needed to know a man was in there, but like you don't need to overdo it. Because like, there are people who came out of Episode Four thinking that he was a robot. Sure, sure, yeah. I I just the 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 die like. Uh, like look what they've done to you i am what you've made me it's like this is the weakest tropiest fan fiction you know, I, yeah no, no artistry no artistry whatsoever to this dialogue it seemed like the only part of the episode that the writer is at all inspired to write was mm-hmm. the leia young leia and obi-wan scenes like that mm-hmm. was the only part that really felt like they were like digging in deep like the rest of it just is like very shallow like the or the early scene where vader's like confronting reva uh, I think it's Reva. Is it Reva? Reva? I don't know. I think it's Reva. Yeah. Um, it's Reva McIntyre. And she's like, starts to try to complain about, um, or not complain, but explain the Grand Inquisitor. 
And he's like, I don't give a shit about the Grand Inquisitor, you know. Yeah. And then later he's like, hey, if you do this for me, I'll make you the Grand Inquisitor. It's like he just said he doesn't give a shit about the Inquisitor. So I don't know why you think this is some promotion, you know, like it's like Vader's like, yeah, you could totally have this thing I don't care about at all. I mean, so like my headcanon hope for Reva was that at her core, she wants revenge against Vader and all of this stuff is like all of their stuff is to, is to win his like favor, a long con yeah. to get audience cover to like to yeah I, I kept thinking like okay that's that would be really cool that would be an interesting story where like you know you're you're playing you're you're thinking against this character now you're like oh shit i'm on the side of this character because i just if, if guys, that is they put out an announcement that they're developing a reva series did they really so it's like i thought yeah, that was so just it's a like, rumor so it's like i i think this character's not going away well like it in theory, that would be an interesting wrinkle for a character that this is all deep cover long con, but like they have not done enough to suggest that that's a possibility or to make it interesting. No, um, but she's had multiple audiences of Vader now. And like, cause like her character in this third episode, it just, it like, it feels like we're watching like squabbles of middle management Yeah, where it's like, Oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to leap ahead of you in line for this like position. It's not main bad guy. It's just like, it's a position that Darth Vader literally just said he doesn't give a shit about. You know, it's like you guys are just like stupid flunkies that he like couldn't care less if you lived or died. So seeing you like jockey for that position of power, I'm just like, whatever. And I'm sorry, I have never so strongly in the Star Wars universe ever, like even with the the, the heyday of Lobot, <laughs> I have never looked at somebody like the Fast and the Furious guy and been like, what the fuck does that hat even do? Yeah. And that guy's character is so like. It's like we're watching like bad corporate, you know, office politics. Like yeah. he's like sneering, like, "Oh, you're not supposed to run a Vader over my head or whatever." I'm next in line. It's like I don't care about any of you. Like, why? Why when you have Vader are we stuck giving so much screen time to these like worthless Inquisitors who are like just kind of these small potatoes dorks? Yeah, I just I kept thinking he's gonna be like Lord Vader said. You have to work Saturday, not me, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, like, Gary Cole's going to be like, Yeah, we'll talk about your TPS reports, Reva. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but the, the burns that Obi Wan gets seemingly are fucking nothing. That whole scene was staged so poorly. You can't really tell what's happening to him. It's like, Oh, he's getting burned, and yet he's not really getting burned. And then, yeah. like, the fire goes out, and then, like, the way the fire springs back up. And it's like the droid is picking up Obi-Wan on the other side. And Vader's just like, first of all, he, he's, I believe his suit is supposed to be able to like withstand flames, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he just lets him go. Like you couldn't just walk, I don't know, 20 feet to your right and go around the fire. You've got storm. You've got a whole base, a garrison of stormtroopers there. You've presumably got ships in space. None of you can stop this from happening. And people are like, oh, Vader just let him go. Like, this is all like, you know, like he's doing it on purpose. And then like the next episode, clearly Vader did not just let Obi-Wan go. He's like really mad that Obi-Wan got away. You know, So it's like, I, I, I can understand they're like, okay, we want to have a confrontation, but Obi-Wan gets away. But they just did not plausibly execute how no. that would happen. Like, it was just absurd. Like, you're watching the episode. You're like, th- th- that fire is stopping you. Like, you can still see him like through the flames he's like 20 no. feet away from you right now like you could if that you could use the force to lift him up and pull him over to you you know what you've just done what you've Copiously. just done yeah 
like, I, and and having like being like, no, I want him to get away, and I want him to feel the fear as I chase him down. Like that would be a fucking villain motivation. But that'd be th- like the Terminator giving you a, a villainous monologue. But that's not what happens. And even if it was what happens, it's not communicated. You know, like no. you know, like there's you know, like when they're about to shoot Chewie and the Empire Strikes Back, Vader just like raises his hand and be like, no, you know, and it's like okay. Vader is telling them not to do that. Like Vader yeah. could have easily raised a hand there to stop the stormtroopers from going after him and let you know, oh, okay, he's letting them get away. We know Vader's messing with them. Like I understand where this is going, but that did not happen. It was just like really poorly staged. Like that, I don't know how you would have to stage it. You know, like in in the Force Awakens, the, the big trench opens up between Ray and Kylo Ren to kind of say like, okay, these two have been parted by something. Like. The, mm. this is going to have to be a to be continued here like mm. you know but that that makes sense like a random tiny little fire springing up between them it just is so like i just I don't know how anyone watches that and be like yeah that's good enough i've gone on record before i am not entirely convinced that he would put his castle on mustafar i mean there's like a bunch of dumb eu stuff or new eu stuff i should say where it's like oh he did that to like fuel his like hatred and you know dark emotions or whatever but- I think it's fascinating is that his outfit, other than the the glam belt, you know, mm-hmm. it looks enough like Vader, but like it's the same thing from like Rogue One. This is not the same outfit entirely. There are differences. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's differences in between a New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Like they made some alterations to the costume. Which which so. would make sense because they have yeah. more money and mm-hmm. everything. But like, I don't know. This is the thing that kind of frustrates me. Like uh th- that horrible first season of Picard. I, I couldn't get yeah, over as opposed the fa- to the second season of the card, but also bad. Yeah. Started promisingly, but also bad, but like, I don't have an issue with the actors getting older and puffier, but the fact that they couldn't just basically recreate the uniforms from the previous things, like they're always like a little bit different and cheaper. And clearly some element had to be getting from like, uh, it definitely feels like a, it's a, a TV store. budget Vader and not a movie budget Vader. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I, but yeah, I, I don't know. I have to wonder, like the fucking creeps who got like aroused at the end of Rogue One with that like wave of carnage. I think what, I think at least some of those of people this? were disappointed because they're like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah. like, I don't have a problem with Obi-Wan being washed right now. Like, I get mm-hmm. what they're doing with this character. He's like, right. you know, he's out of the game. The force isn't strong with him right now. He, you know, has to like refine his, his purpose and whatnot. Like that all that all checks. I, I get what they're going for. But like the actual fight was just staged really poorly. Like the choreography, the way it was shot, the location, like not at all epic. I didn't feel Obi-Wan's impotence like I should have. Yeah. I felt the lack of imagination of the direction. Mm-hmm. And I was rooting for Deborah Chow. I really was. Um speaking of the bad direction, um, the other part of the end of that episode is like this like tunnel passageway mm. that leia and tala are supposed to be escaping in and like then at some point tala is like oh i'm gonna go back to help obi-wan meanwhile how did, Reva, how did she get to the how did reva has like found the entrance yeah. to the the passageway and like reva gets to the end of it somehow yeah. to like can capture leia it's like what the hell is going on geographically that's that's just bad directing i'm sorry there's no other way to say it you've done a poor job if it doesn't make any sense geographically. Um, I I do think we should talk about the new force power that's kind of being displayed. I don't Mm. know if you kind of picked up on this. Um, What is it? Reva has the ability to have read the script before it unfolds, which is why 
all the dumb shit she does like pans out like the only reason she's driving the story even though like the the action she takes are absurd but it's like the it of like how did she find the like hidden passageway well she read the script so she knew where to go you know the her confrontation of tala in in part four is ludicrous but but so many parts of part four are fucking ludicrous uh do we have any more to say about part three um oh can you remind me who quinlan voss is some stupid edgelord like Jedi who doesn't play by the rules from like the prequel comics, okay. I think originally. And okay. he might have been in Clone Wars cartoons. Um, one, he one basically l- wrote Quinlan Voss was here on a wall. Yeah. One last thing. Yeah. And then he went and hung himself. In the beginning of the episode, when they arrive on this planet, which like for some reason they can't just take control of the ship they're on. You know, they just have to like get dropped off somewhere. If they've been told, go to this location and like a contact will pick you up. They get there and Obi-Wan's there for like all of five seconds. And he's just like, oh, that motherfucker betrayed us. There's no one here. And it's like, maybe hang out for a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't just want to like, like, did you think he was going to be there on the dot at a certain time? Yeah. Like, like they're literally there five seconds and Obi-Wan's just like, oh, fuck this. Let's, let's go. We don't want to stick around. It's like, okay. well, especially since, since the show was on your side enough in episode two, Obi-Wan, that you knew that this guy was essentially sacrificing his life to, mm-hmm. like, get you free. Whatever. Yeah, it's, like, it seems like the writer has no idea how to move from scene to scene. Yeah. Like, it's just, everything feels incredibly sloppy. It's like, this was your first idea. I mean, like, like we've we've done brainstorming sessions when we're writing, and, like, you'll you'll know, okay, we have to have this happen. How do we have this happen? And, like, a lot of bad ideas come out. It's like, what if we do this? No, that doesn't make sense. No, that's, you know, we that doesn't seem practical. That doesn't add up. Like, you have to you have to work at it. You know, your first idea is not always your best idea. In this, it feels like they just went with the first thing they thought of, like, every single time. Uh, a lot of TV in the last few years has taught me that they're not uh, peeling that glass onion I feel, as much as they could. I feel like we're we're, like, losing, or maybe it's just that there's so much content, so much TV that a lot of unskilled people are getting jobs, but it almost feels like we're losing the fine art of like, like visual storytelling and like how to, yeah. how to write a TV episode, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I've been watching for all mankind, which is like really refreshing. It's like, it's not the best show ever, but like, it's like, Oh, it's, it's Ronald D Moore. He knows how to write a TV show. You know, mm-hmm. like you have characters with motivations that make sense. You, you build up to certain events, you know, it's like, Hey, it's, it's, this is somebody who knows how to write TV. What happened to all these people? It doesn't seem like they're the ones writing most shows these days. Which is interesting because Ronald D. Moore gets his start on Star Trek mm-hmm. back in the heyday of when you could actually submit spec scripts. Yeah. Uh, which I do not believe is is accepted anywhere now. I think you you would write a spec script these days as like a writing sample, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it wouldn't you're not like sending it to like, hey, I got hey. NCIS, I've got like a good idea for an episode for you or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kramer's writing a Murphy Brown or sorry, <laughs> Elaine's writing a Murphy Brown. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it like it feels like this writer has no idea how to move from scene to scene and that everything just feels really half assed and lazy. And he's like he's like doing a lot of interviews now talking about like how much they care about the canon and they're not retconning anything. It's like, OK, you kind of already did. I don't mm. know who to believe you are my lion eyes, you know, yeah, um, yeah. but it just 
I don't know. I, I suspect that for a while, like the way a lot of people, a lot of writers get jobs these days is not based on a writing sample. It's based on like how you, how you pitch in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that is, it's changing the way, like, like what is valued in a writer now is like kind of personal charisma and like pitch ability. You know, it's like how well this person like kind of works the crowd in the pitch room which doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a good writer. You know, it's like, and so it's like you, you get a bunch of people who can like say all the right things, you know, drop the right what buzzwords and like kind of like hold command of some executive's attention during a pitch meeting. And then what they turn out is this, you know, cause like go look at Joby Harold. I, I, for some reason I didn't look up his like credits until like after episode three, Joby. it's, it's not great, man. It's rough. You're like, how the fuck is this guy writing a star Wars show? Which scares me because there's, I feel like there's just this wave of Max Landi. Yeah. Yeah. Just waiting to think. Well, that, that's, I, I think the other... that's how Max Landis would get all his fucking work is, you know, he's got the nepotism connection yeah. and he knows how to like work a room and he can like kind of baffle you with bullshit and dazzle you with like, you know, these like big ideas he's going to throw at you. But then it's like, okay, the actual writing is bright, which is complete ass. So here's what I should do Then you're saying. And I think it's a two-part plan. I'm going to add, two, add part mm-hmm. two that you haven't covered yet. But part one is I change my last name to Spielberg. Sure. I somehow get into a room to pitch. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got the media literacy with whatever franchise I'm pitching to where I can show that I know the IP and I can, I can suggest there's a future that's not threatening, that won't scare away like the, the shareholders and will bring in the audience. Then part two is I get in the room at just the right time where they're so against deadline that like if I hand in shit, they don't have time to re- to rewrite this, or this bring This is it how down. we get our Lowlanders TV show. Yeah. Oh God, Lowlanders. Have we ever talked about Lowlanders on air? <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's a show about Scottish cops starring Ewan McGregor and uh Henry and Cusick from Lost. Yeah. Somewhere we have a we have a Photoshop poster for Lowlanders. We do. <laughs> But they're just like they're like in like suit jackets with like undone ties, but then like full kilts. Yes. <laughs> they're both the bad cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know what? I, I'm open to no sheep jokes. Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. I'm not. <laughs> um, Episode yeah, part four. four. Um, I, I I know. Look, I know Obi-Wan's an essentially silly character. His first introduction into this franchise is him like making crazy noises and like waving his arms around like a madman as he like goes to rescue Luke. But the coat thing almost beggared belief. To, to the I, I I feel like it's something that could work with the right tone in the right direction, but we didn't get that. Like I feel like a lot of this show is like you have to kind of like mentally extrapolate your own kind of vision for it's like, Oh, I see kind of what you were going for. And if I like look at it a certain way, like I can kind of fill in the blanks and help you get there. But it's like the show isn't actually accomplishing it on its own. You're, you have to like do a ton of work for it. Again, on a future head canon, I really do want to do a life less ordinary <laughs> where young Ewan McGregor could have sold that. Like if a director who was on Han side, Solo could have sold that, you know? Yeah. yeah. But so what you're saying is Harrison Ford could have sold. But like it, it should have been like it's clearly absurd 
like yeah. what we're seeing, but it's not played absurd. No, it's no. played completely straight. Like it should like, be with like a wink ever. and a joke. And like, we should see you and like selling it as like, you know, this is like, this is some like bullshit that like, is probably not going to work. The same way that he wasn't really Obi-Wan in Phantom Menace. He didn't become mm-hmm. Obi-Wan until episode two. And really, it's it's uh, when they're getting chained up in the arena and Anakin's like, we're here to rescue you. And he <laughs> stares job. at his... Yeah, good job. <laughs> I, they, I know this is a guy who like, he jumped out a fucking window <laughs> to go tackle a droid, but like the burns, we get the, they get the thing where of course, like he doesn't stay in the back to tank long enough to heal the burns. But like it causes him not one iota of a problem. But it's like oh, we're we gotta rescue the princess again. Like this is the second episode now, or it's a rescue the plot line. You know, it's like yeah. okay, we're doing this again. It this episode is like basically only thirty minutes long if you cut out like the credits and like previously and shit. It's very short. It definitely feels like they must have cut stuff because like the um, O'Shea Jackson character, it's like there's like this weird conversation they have with him. Where like he kind of He's like, like no, just, I'm not gonna do this for you. And then five seconds later, I'll do like, yeah, everything okay. you want. Yeah, I'll yeah. do anything I can to help you. You're like, what? Like, did you just cut out like a minute of dialogue or something? Well, did you cut out Obi Wan doing the hand wave? Sure, yeah. Because um, because doesn't that have to be in this show somewhere? I don't think he's done it yet. As far but as I mean, recall. if if you were pitching this show, yeah, you you would think, yeah, like what's your checklist? You know, yeah. Um, and that's the thing is about these legacy shows. Is you you're always selling out the big moments that were already in the IP, and you're like, we got a checklist. We've got to have them do a week retread of their greatest hits. Well, to me, it's like why 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 make an Obi Wan Kenobi show? It's because Hugh McGregor's awesome, and yeah. it feels like he got a raw deal with the prequels. He never got good material they could really dive into and show off all that he still can hasn't. do. And it's like he still hasn't. It's like you guys you honked it. You know, it's like. I mean, it's this is in development forever, and it's like suddenly they just rushed it at the last minute, like yeah. with a new set of scripts that like wasn't polished at all. What the hell were the original scripts like? Supposedly, like more kind of like dark, grim, and yeah, like not. I don't know. I don't know, man. So it's like he's got to go rescue Leia from the Fortress Inquisitorius, which is that's <laughs> what they really call it. Um, there have been both in the movies and in all the expanded, you know, material video games, novels and whatnot. Like there's a lot of uh, like we got to break into the Imperial stronghold plot lines, you know, like a lot like that's been done a lot of different ways. And I've read really how this franchise played yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. And this was like the most lazy, boring version of that I think I've ever encountered. Like so was, I remember it was just like so like nothing like they had no plan at all except like she's just going to hope her clearance still works and like yeah. kind of browbeat a guy into letting her pass. It's like, that's it. That's all you got. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, impress me, you know, <laughs> like dazzle me. Do something new and interesting. Like, this is literally the same plan from Jedi Fallen Order, but worse and like less impressive. So I remember you and I went to see uh, we went to Disneyland in 2019 before mm-hmm. the world ended. And by, by world ending, I mean, mean before the rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and the new ride hadn't been finished yet. And mm-hmm. I remember you were kind of describing what it was supposed to be. And I remember saying that that what the ride should be is 10 miles of like imperial hallways. And you're allowed to go in and you have like an hour or until somebody catches you. <laughs> and I'm like, that should be the fucking ride. 
like just like you and your friends are just like trying not to get caught in this fucking hallway because that would be a star wars experience to me the fucking thing with the him using the force to hold the glass i couldn't tell what the fuck he was doing and i say this to somebody who just rewatched season three finale of, of lost when charlie could have easily slipped through that door mm-hmm. yeah and and i'm like obi-wan what are you doing like it's clearly not working. Whatever you're doing, it's, you could have made it down the hallway. He hears right that Leia's in danger, and suddenly he finds his ability to tap into the Force at a greater level than before. Like it's like you see, you see the checkbox, you know, the 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 index card in the writers' room there. But I just don't really feel like they're doing a very good job but of I, pulling I, it off. I feel like yeah, I, like whatever was written down that page, whatever was shown on me on screen was not interesting or compelling. Or he doesn't even as, put on a stormtrooper costume. I mean, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah. Like it was like he literally like he's just gonna swim in and she's gonna tell him like go here go here. It's like that's Wouldn't it. Wouldn't he be fucking soaking wet? And he used the force, you know, to dry himself off. Yeah. Also, in general, just what does Obi Wan smell like? Sex. <laughs> I feel like he's like, yes, in the sense that he smells like old scrote. <laughs> well, like uh, not not to I know that I probably brought this up a lot, but not to go back to the Thrawn trilogy. But there's a sequence in the Thrawn trilogy where Luke, he has to go ask Mara Jade, who hates him, or actually Mara comes and asks her, like, hey, I need you to help get my boss out of the Imperial Hawk. You know, like, he's locked up on the, like, flagship in, in the uh, detention center. And so it's like, there's a fun little enemies to passive, you know, collaborators thing going on there. And they, like, the way they sneak on is, like, they're, like, in, like, a, they, like, hijack, like, a transport, like, delivering goods to the Star Destroyer. They like go up there, sneak out of the transport, like and like she's using some old codes that she has that still work to like, you know, get them maneuvering around. They like have to steal uniforms. Luke has to use the force a few times to like confuse some people. They go to the trash compactor, um, where it like empties out and they like go inside it and then close it and then chimney climb up to break through like to the detention center that way, like basically going backwards from like the, the direction they went in the new hope. And like get the guy out and like go back down and then like they realize that you know the impure the empire is like onto it that somebody's escaped and so like it's locked down so they're like you know running through the the hangar and whatnot looking for ship like it's all like really cool stuff where it's like oh you thought about what would be a neat it's like it's, it's almost like a heist you know it's like what's a cool plan that has to go wrong at some point but you pull it off ultimately to like you know get this person out of the imperial prison this was like so boring so nothing mm-hmm. it was like you had nothing at all well imagine having hyperspeed travel but not mm-hmm. your pieces yeah and, and well i and mean I think, i'll forgive the comm link whatever you know it's a star but like star going back to george lucas's basic like one of his basic philosophies was that a simpler culture will always defeat the empire mm-hmm. because the system is so big and so corrupt and so overlooks smaller entities that it, it'll just all you always be able to like ants to sneak in and, and take things apart it was weird I, that they gave i them, could not get over tala in that like room where she's like on the comm and there's and it's, a like, dude like is looking six feet away yeah and then she like knocks the dude out or, or breaks the dude's neck and she lays him in a way that i feel like would be very visible well what i found strange about that is like why is Tala the one that gets like the quote unquote tension filled scenes? You know, like yeah. she's she has a scene where she has to like get past the imperial officer who's like not sure, you know, she should be there. She's got to deal with the uh, the guy who wants to come talk to her. Like, are you supposed to be here? Obi Wan's just like, kind of wandering around in the depths, being like, where do I go here? Where do I? Well, you know, where do they I go wanted, next? 
they wanted to evoke a new hope i think and, and like tala like I, why I don't even, why is your main character not getting the tension that's you know yeah. like why aren't you giving him something dramatic and like kind of like you know oh no he's about to get caught like other than him just like lazily hiding from stormtroopers as they walk by when when does he grow the beard metaphorically mm. but Tala, I would love her even more because I feel like somebody has to. Doesn't she have to say, I've got a bad feeling about this at some point? Yeah, they haven't checked that box yet. It'll it'll be Obi-Wan probably. Or maybe it'll be like young Leia or something, you know. Mm. It'll be it'll be Lola. But it's it's just weird story. how like passive Obi-Wan is as a character in his own TV show. Yeah. So and then there's like all the kind of interrogation scenes between Riva and Leia, which like could have theoretically been like a window into character development for Riva. But I feel like what you actually got was just the tiniest of crumbs. If that, you know, this, like we've gotten multiple times now, this vague suggestion that she resents the Jedi mm-hmm. probably because she got, you know, captured in order 66 or whatever. In but terms, that's, yeah. that's really it. Other than like we, you know, it's like we haven't really got much more in that beyond that like very shallow level. Well, and and like you said, the viewpoint that the Inquisitors should be selling, she briefly tries to sell that to Leia, but I don't know. I just I felt like that was three different scenes mashed together at odd points, so like the tone changes throughout. And it's like. It's kind of absurd that they're like strapping this little girl to, uh, what's it called? Um, like a, you know, constraint. Like I don't know what like you a call mind that. Flare like thing like yeah, like a torture device or something. You know, it's and it's like, but you, it's like we know they're not actually going to torture Leia. You know, it's right. like there's some lines that like they won't cross for, you know, tone reasons and also because like clearly that never happened to Leia in the past. But it should have. I should have actually felt mm-hmm. worried in that moment. I didn't. Yeah, and and Riva just like she just doesn't come across as intimidating, partly because we know that she's not actually going to do it, and she's like she knows like Riva hired people to kidnap Leia, and mm-hmm. now she's like asking Leia for like intel about the path, which the Jedi path, which we only learned about like an episode before, mm-hmm. and suddenly seems to be her main motivation is finding out about this path, which is weird. Like yeah, and, yeah. and now it's like now she's super concerned with the path. And she wants Leia to tell her all about it. And it's like, okay, you know that she just got kidnapped a couple days ago and rescued by Obi-Wan. Like, she doesn't know shit about the Jedi path. You know, like, mm-hmm. what are you expecting to get out of her? Like, you you of all people should know exactly what she would know. I was struck by you had the moment for following that to be one of those cool Star Wars moments where she's left alone in the chair in the dark. And I don't, again, I don't want like the J.J. Abrams thing where like Luke is supposed to be like some kind of weird, you know, super badass, you mm-hmm. know, as an old man. But like I was struck by Obi-Wan's like lightsaber ignites. And then it seems like he hits each stormtrooper like four times. It's like times. a baseball bat or something. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I was like, that's not lightsabers how lightsaber no longer cut through things. It's just, it's weird. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's strange. I, I'm not saying I need him to be like a badass or like, I don't, I don't need episode one backflips, but it's like. I feel like Obi-Wan still knows how to, like th- that this thing is what's going to cover his old ass. Mm-hmm. Is he could just like cut a dude's arm off. Or just have the thing where it's like that just shoots out straight through a guy's chest and then it retracts, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it was just like very oddly staged. Um, also, I love Maya Erskine and everything else. She stood out like a sore thumb to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was in this briefly. And, and Wade, R.E.P. Wade. 
that whole scene with the snow speeder, like it just looks so fake. Like mm. it just it, well, it, it looks like we're watching some low budget shit where it's like, all right, and just kind of wave your lightsaber like you're blocking stuff. Like it just, I don't know. It it, it looks like nobody's like had any sort of like lightsaber training. You know, like yeah. not like a week of like working with a stunt coordinator. Like these are the ways that you should. Yeah, who's your... who's the Nick Gilliard of mm-hmm. now? Yeah, or even the the Ray Park, who I mm-hmm. I still have on my naughty list. Sure, remember that weird shit of his yeah. wife? Oh yeah, I remember. yeah. I, I feel like we forgot to cancel him. He got hacked or something. Who knows? Whatever, yeah. whatever. But like, there's one cut where the two snow speeders come in. Mm-hmm. And am I wrong? But like the one flies in to a point where like it looks like it's going to crash it's yeah it's because it's there's nowhere for it to turn around because they're all shooting this stuff on the volume like it just looks hella fake you know like we got to get away from the volume like that was the problem with both episode three and four in these action scenes everything is shot very oddly and there's not a lot of um uh like i guess it's like the z-axis there's not a lot of depth in the shots Mm -hmm. like they can there's shots occasionally where somebody's running away from the camera Mm-hmm. and like you you know that they have to cut soon because it's like we know that they're about to like run into an led wall you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's no real sense of depth there's like the background the deep background and then the foreground there's no midsection there which makes right. everything end up looking really weird i i i hate the volume i i notice it constantly like i don't like the way it looks i'm sure it's useful occasionally to do certain scenes but like please no thank you i i will say as much as i dislike the location it does work well for Tatooine. Some of the time. I mean, they, yeah. they do have a set for some of Tatooine, though. Mm. That's the thing. They're, they have like a main street set that they use a lot. Mm-mm. So you might just be seeing that. I don't know. No, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the, the snow speeder thing just looked really bad. And the way that guy dies just kind of like hilariously stupid. And it's like, are we supposed to care about this guy? Like he had like one line of dialogue before this. Like, <laughs> Do we even see him beforehand? I think he was there earlier when they're like doing their like plan on like how to okay. quote plan and air scare quotes oh, I, I know like like when you work in these contemporary comedians like it just looks like it looks like that episode of deep space nine where they cgi'd in the deep space nine crew into the trouble of tribbles mm-hmm. and it's just like well here's some cgi'd people who are clearly walking on a, on a blue screen i just yeah. it feels weird i mean like i saw a great comment someone made on twitter today about this new this new iteration of persuasion with D- dakota johnson where it's like no 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 she has the face that has seen an iphone <laughs> like some people just don't look like i can't i can't take michelle dockery this is in a contemporary story yeah yeah well this is why i think they should only be hiring british people to be in star wars because there's something about putting american comedians in these shows yeah. and movies that it like it just does not work for me every single time i'm like no, you just look at you walked in off the street of Manhattan Beach like you're you're not in the galaxy far, far away at all. Yeah, uh, like including the worst casting of all time. I think we can agree, which is Selena Meyer's husband as uh, the, the, oh, God, the, the vice yeah. mayor. Yeah, that was <laughs> so bad. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, it's like, are you just John Favre's friend or something? Like, why are you yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that and I was like, Andrew? And now it's like, okay, it's like we're two thirds of the way through the show. We've gotten almost nothing on Riva. Like we we're all assuming she's going to like have some sort of redemption arc or something. You know, it's like the writers are like really proud. Like they've been saying in interviews about like, oh, yeah, there's we're you know, we want to keep the mystery. Like I listened to an interview with this dude and he literally said the words mystery box over and over again. I'm like, dude, 
faux pas, man. You don't want to be you don't want to be invoking the mystery box these days. No. Um, and but it's also like hopelessly incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, incorrectly too. And it's like, why why is her character a mystery? Like, what? How is that helping us? Like get attached to or intrigued by her character for her to just be like this okay, but kind of I like think, weird blank slate. I think quite frankly to the majority of the audience, I don't think she's being played as a mystery. No, she's just being played as like this really kind of one note, broad, like angry inquisitor, like kind of like yeah. Saturday morning cartoon villain is, yeah. is I think is what most people are getting. I just want the show to be over. It's just not very good. Also, well, and, poor, and I, poor Hayden Christensen. Like, they drug him. Like it seems like he's in the show for marketing, so he can be dragged out to conventions to be like, "Look, guys, we brought Hayden back." Yeah. He's even in the suit occasionally, like when Vader's sitting down or something. It's like, why? What is even the point of this? And like yeah. one shot of Hayden, like out in in the world there, and it's like a hallucination. Oh, I hated how fake it looked too. Like, it, like it never really looks bad to me. I, I'm mm-hmm. so into Star Wars, but like when he lifts her up in the like conference room there yeah it just looked really the wire work the wire work has been bad ever since the rise of skywalker like on the like the the fight in the ocean there mm-hmm. on kef burr which wasn't indoor for some reason don't get me started on that movie but mm-hmm. like there's obvious shots where it's like like ray's gonna like do like a springing jedi leap but like the wire lister before she gets her foot down you know yeah. like yeah. like it's just it's bad wire work there it's bad here like it just it looks very shoddily made and it just no, well, she I'm convinced like 16 twirls in the air. Too, I'm yeah. convinced that all of these all these TV shows should just be movies like however much you're paying for the Obi-Wan TV show. You probably could have made a better looking movie. And like granted, you wouldn't have been able to like stretch it out over two months to get people's like subscriptions fees for two months for it or whatever, you know, like the Disney plus like purposes. But I think it would have been much better, like tighten this shit up, make a two hour movie. Well, also budgeting your resources and what have you i i just as a as a as a showrunner as a manager of a thing i could not cotton to every episode is going to be 35 minutes long except for our finale which will be an hour and two minutes i feel like that's ever since like um some of the later seasons of game of thrones there's been this thing of like Oh, don't worry, guys. Like the the longer episodes are coming, you know. There's the the finale is going to be like they're they're saying it could be like an hour and a half long, you know. And it's like, well, yeah. it's like an hour and two minutes, you know. Like it's yeah. like where there's always just like this theoretical hope that the longer episodes are coming soon. And an episode doesn't necessarily need to be long, but like sometimes they just feel very light. Well, and, and Stranger Things is stupid anyway, but mm-hmm. like. The fact that your finale is like two and a half hours long or two hours and 15 minutes long or whatever, like, hey, Netflix, this is why you're losing 200,000 subscribers is because you had to raise your money to pay for this shit. I think there's something to be said for being consistent in the writing of a TV show where all the episodes are largely the same length. They don't have to be exactly the same length, but like, you know, Mm -hmm. we we did that for many, many years and the TV, some of it was pretty damn good. You know, there's Mad Men's always the same length every episode, more or less. And that's a great fucking show. You know, you can do it. Like sometimes constraints are good. There was, I think, one episode of PLL that was 40 minutes long and the rest were 41 to 42. Yeah, not bad. I mean, it it worked pretty well for a long time. I guess part five tonight. Presumably, if if I had to guess, I'd say the big Obi Wan Anakin fight will be in tonight's episode, and then the last episode will be more Reva focused. 
I would mm. guess. I don't know. Oh, the whole tracker thing. Should we talk about that? Oh, yeah. Once again, Reva's read the script beforehand, so she knows to put a tracker on the droid. Even though she's already captured Leia, like, why would she be doing this? I don't know. She's real smart, I guess. Oh, everyone's favorite uh, uh, Skyfall, the Dark Knight thing, the uh, the, the, the twisting <laughs> yeah. of, like, we've, we've captured the villain. Now they're going to escape somehow, of course, because mm-hmm. they wanted to be captured. Well, it's like, why... Why is she expecting them to go back to like Jedi Path headquarters and not just go to Alderaan? Also, now that like they know Leia and Obi Wan are so connected to Bail, like how does he not just get like black bagged in the middle of the night or like yeah, arrested yeah. for treason or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, uh, presumably the Senate has no power anyway. But like, how does he not just open like a judicial committee? You know, we're going to have yeah. like the uh, committee about the Inquisitors. It's like everybody just agrees to like keep quiet about it. It's kind of awkward for everyone involved. We just won't mention it. Yeah. It's like, now look, like Darth the- Vader, if I'm not going to, you know, press charges on you, you're going to forget about the whole Obi-Wan thing. We'll just pretend that didn't happen and we'll go about our business. Well, they're, they're treating it like Alec Baldwin's going to go have to testify to a committee of Congress about how Aoife Hunt slash Reva you know, the living sure manifestation of destiny. Exactly. <laughs> Why can't that movie be out this year? I know. God. Every so often you'll see a trailer for Mission Impossible 7, or you'll just see Top Gun Maverick, and you'll be like, hey, filmmaking, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Directors who really know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. I guess Taiki with TV today and an interview talking about how like, Oh, it's the new stars movies he's making. is going to have like new characters, you know, moving past the Skywalker saga. And it's just like Ryan died for this. Yeah. Yeah. But no one's going to attack Taiki with TV. He had a thruple. I'm sure that the, um, the grifters, who have like their Star Wars hate YouTube channels will find a way to be mad about whatever Taika does. Like that's just it. It doesn't matter what the the movie or the TV show is. You know, it's it's their business to find something to get mad about and complain about. And they're doing it to Star Wars. They'll be doing it to the Lord of the Rings show when it comes out. I'm sure they'll do it to the House of Dragon. Like it's just all. It's just a grift. It's just depressing. I don't. I don't know how, why Lucasfilm can't like copyright strike those guys or mm. do something. You know, it's like YouTube's a private platform. Like, you know, this isn't like the public commons. They can just say no. We're gonna fucking copyright strike you if you keep using our uh, footage or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not the uh, the most ethical use of copyright strike laws. But it's like why? I don't know why they put up those assholes. I just it's been a weird time for me because like I said I discovered some voices on like like the internet post Rise of Skywalker who both acknowledged how terrible that movie was how great Last Jedi was but still found a way to be like hopeful and optimistic about the future of this this franchise mm-hmm. and then I, I see them every day just being like oh gosh Obi-Wan's so fucking good and I'm like what am what show are you watching <laughs> I mean and I know that these are people who like they're going to celebration mm-hmm. they're they're yeah. they're getting their interview like their their five minute interview of Hayden or whatever, and I'm just like I, I can't do it. I wish I could. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's depressing. I don't know. I, 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 I begin to worry that is like, I think a lot of the problem is Disney and like the kind of demands that they put on Lucasfilm, like to meet deadlines, to crank out, you know, mm-hmm. this amount of content, whatever. That's certainly not helping, but I'm not entirely convinced that Lucasfilm is set up to deliver at a level of quality that we really want. You know, I feel like Ryan is like a pretty masterful filmmaker. So we got the last Jedi from him and bad robot basically made the force awakens. Like, I don't know that Lucasfilm really has the talent needed to crank out a high quality. Like they they can crank out kind of like just cheap slop that'll mm-hmm. like, you know, keep the, the content farm happy, but I don't know if they really have it in them to, to produce like really good TV or, or films. Uh, I, I would they constantly seem kind of like sloppy and unprepared. I would agree with you based on the trailer for the Willow TV show. I don't really have an opinion on that. I've never seen the original Willow, so you've never seen the original. Willow? No. Seems I mean, I guess make, we'll see with Indiana make, Jones Five. Although Indiana Jones make films in this country, all yeah, right, like we used Willow. To make shit. Indiana Mad Jones Morgan. Five is directed by James Mangold, who's another like actual filmmaker, like who knows what he's doing. So maybe it'll be good because it's like, I don't know. It seems like these days it's like the IP is king and it's like, it doesn't matter who you get to write or direct something, you know? So you have like the Rousseau brothers and John Watts making, you know, billion dollar pictures. But I feel like there's something to be said for actual filmmaking talent, which it doesn't seem. But unrestrained, unlike multiverse of madness. Yeah. I I will, I will, I will be happier about Indy five. If Christian Bale walks in and says, if this was a beauty contest, we just lost. Because <laughs> like, James Mangold lost a lot of goodwill with me when I tried to watch Ford v. Ferrari, which is, feels like an HBO TV movie. That's just like pure dad cinema, I feel like. I thought it was fine, but like, yeah, nothing, nothing uh, super interesting going on there. Mm. All right, well, we said all we need to say. Yeah, Kenobi. It's there. It's not the worst Star Wars TV show because that's the book of Boba Fett. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to. I mean, I guess you'd say the Mandalorian's the best, but it's not that great. It's just kind of. It's, it's not saying it's, much. It's occasionally pleasing, diverting entertainment. You know. What about Caravan of Hope or Caravan of Courage? Caravan of Courage. Yeah, I, I still say that Ewoks of Battle for Endor. It's uh, really the cream of the crop. Although, like, all the young Leia shenanigans really feel like it should be happening in, like, an Ewok, like, made-for-TV movie. I feel like young Leia, the way they have envisioned her, would be a fucking awesome TV show. Yeah. Not saddled with Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's it's weird that they chose to combine the two together. A young Leia show running around Alderaan and occasionally maybe going off-world, like, having adventures with her little droid, like... That seems like a show that would totally work, you know. Being I, I, more I honestly kids, don't. It'd be fine. I honestly don't think it's like the feminist, you know, uplifting that they think it is by 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 having Bail Organa be like, oh, the other twin matters too. When you're still saddling her to this legacy male character, let her have her own fucking show. It'd be awesome, and it would be like, it wouldn't be involving like running into Darth Vader and Obi Wan. Like, no, you no. could just. Like, you don't have to worry about all, like, the, like, how does this fit into the canon type stuff. Like, 
you know, just have some fun adventures. Like, like, well, and like you, you, you do a thing to do, to have fun and do your own thing. You do a thing where it's like her dad used to be her best friend, but he keeps disappearing with his job. She's frustrated with him. And then it's like season three, she realizes that the reason her dad's gone all the time is because he's fucking building the rebellion (laughs) or whatever. And she's been secretly like doing stuff that like leads rebellion. You've got like a fucking template for a great show. There's plenty, You've got plenty a great of little actor for it. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, put us in a room. We'll pitch it. My name is Marco Spielberg. <laughs> I'm uh, James Lucas. There you go. Yeah. I'll Look just great. say I'm Jet Lucas. They don't know the difference. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no one's actually seen a picture of Jet Lucas in years. <laughs> uh, yeah. All, All right. right. We're well, done. May the force be with you. Always. Always.